Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we focus our attention on you once again, and we continue to do so. You have spoken to us through the time of praise and worship. You've spoken to each one of us internally. I pray that now you would speak to us out of your word. You would uh, allow our eyes to see, our spiritual eyes to see what we might not have seen when we walked in here. More than anything else, we pray that we see you. Let the word come alive to us today. Let our hearts be receptive to your Holy Spirit's voice. I pray in the name of Jesus, everyone said, Amen. I'm always amazed at how the time of praise and worship syncs up with what I'm planning on talking about. Maybe some of that is due to we put the sermon title on Facebook every week. Probably not. Today the sermon title is The Glory of Our Great God. And we sang today, one of the songs we sang, we sang, Overwhelm Us by Your Glory and Your Grace. Two weeks ago, we finished up a two-part series on the book of Haggai. And the reason it was a two-part series is there are two chapters in that book. And in the second part of that series, we entitled it, the latter glory greater than the former, because that's what God said in that book to the people of Judah, that the latter glory of this new temple will be greater than the glory of the old temple. We talked about a little bit about pining away for the good old days. And, uh, and thank God for the good old days. <clears throat> but the glory of God is a crescendo through eternity and through time. And the glory of God has never waned. It has never sh- shrunk and it never will. And so I began to think about this glory and he talked about the glory of this house. And, and of course I'm calling that the glory of the church. And while yesteryear was, were, were some great times and you could go through history and through, through, uh, the Pentecostal revival and the healing revivals and the charismatic movement and all, and, and I could, you could go on and on. And every one of those times in history were high times, but we too often try to live there. Um, I know, of course, most of you know, brother Charles Simpson's my pastor and I meet people from time to time and and when they find out that I know him, oh, I got cassette tapes. That's fine. I got cassette tapes too. But I meet too many people that are still living in the 60s and 70s when they used to listen to the cassette tapes. And they wish we could go back there. Well, I understand that. I understand a time when, when the Holy Spirit was so, so powerful and so moving in the community that the, the town we grew up in, somebody, I don't know who, somebody put together a book, a, a directory of charismatic Bible studies. All of them are in homes. And somehow we got a hold of that book and we started finding some places to go worship with people we didn't know. I don't know how that happened, but you, you want that kind of a move, but you don't want to live there. 
And so looking at the glory of God to me is a reminder of this great God that we worship. We live in a day when we need a great God. You've heard so many things referenced already this morning. We live in a day when we need an anchor, as the old hymn says. And we need that anchor to not be a thing, but to be a person. And we need to see that anchor as capable, suitable. And so I want you to turn with me, if you don't mind, to Isaiah chapter 60. And we're going to read verses 1 through 7. And later on, I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Exodus. So if you'd like to go ahead and put something there or whatever, if you've got a phone or a tablet, then it's probably pretty easy. I do think that it is good if you, when I read a scripture, I think it is good if I give you time, if you can go read it yourself along with me. I think there's something that processes when we look at the words with our eyeballs and allow our mind and our spirit to process that instead of just listening to me read it. So if I see you just looking at me while I'm reading it, I'm throwing things at you. No, I'm not. But later on, we'll go to Exodus. But Isaiah 60, uh, verse 1, if you don't mind standing with me in honor of the sacredness of the Word of God. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory, everybody say his glory, will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you, and the wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba, shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense, and they shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord, all the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you. The rams of Nebaioth shall minister to you, and they shall come up with acceptance on my altar, and I will beautify my house, or I will beautify my beautiful house. You may be seated. I'm going to come back to that text and kind of dissect it a little bit, but I want to talk just for a few minutes about A God of weighty substance. This is so important to you and so important to me and so important to us in the day we live to understand this God, to understand the glory of God. I don't like doing this very much, but I'll give you the Hebrew word is kabod. Sometimes it's K-A-B-O-D. Sometimes it's C-H-A-B-O-D. Depends on which dictionary you look you look in. And this is a word that simply means weightiness. It means that which is substantial. The glory or kabod talks about a weighty person who is honorable, impressive, and worthy of respect. Now, when I say weighty, I'm not talking about too many Twinkies. 
I'm talking about substance. I'm talking about something that carries or someone that carries influence. You've heard the saying about he or she carries a lot of weight. Go talk to so-and-so about that issue because in that circle, they carry a lot of weight. Well, it's not, it has nothing to do with their physical stature, but it has something to do with their influence, their ability to, to gain an ear of someone, their ability to move things. That's weightiness. And when you think of our God, you must think of him as a God of weightiness and substance. And this will be our theme throughout this whole message today. In the New Testament, we have a word called doxa, and, and we have, it's easy to see that we get our word doxology from this word. And it just carries it just a little further, and it talks about a high opinion or an estimation of someone. It talks about splendor and majesty. So you put all of that together, and you get a picture of the glory of God. Don't lose that picture. And what I'm here to tell you today is that regardless of what we see with our eyes or hear with our ears, everybody say regardless. Regardless. There is a substantial God who carries a lot of weight in any situation. I don't care what you're facing today. I don't care what you're facing tomorrow. I don't, I don't care what's on your mind, what, what may be of concern to you. There is a substantial God. He is not a shrinking violet. He is not as, as uh, the world would seek, the world spirit, world system would seek to do, and that is to neuter God. He is not. He is a substantial God. And whatever, just remember, if you don't remember anything else, I say, whatever is you're facing, remember that you have a substantial God who carries a lot of weight Amen. Lord. in every circumstance. Last week, we had Dave Zanotti here from the American Policy Roundtable and the Public Square radio broadcast. And one of the folks on that broadcast is a lady by the name of Melanie Elsie. I believe what I'm about to read is for somebody in this room. You've been needing this. Maybe every one of us, but somebody needs this. And I want you to hear it because I was riding down the road a long time ago and I heard Melanie say this and I almost ran off the road. And so ultimately I wrote it down and I've been holding on to it all this time and I forgot about it till I was preparing this message and I went, wait a minute. That's in my desk drawer, and I pulled it out. I don't remember the broadcast, what the topic was, and I don't even remember what they were talking about, but in the middle of their talking, Melanie spoke up. She said this, God has his hand in this. He is already at the other end of the outcome. And when you, whatever you face, whatever difficulties And challenges you may be meeting either today or sometime in the future. Remember that whatever it is, your substantial God has his hand in that. And he's already at the end of the outcome. He's not patting his foot. He's not wondering what you're going to do next. He's certainly not wondering what he's going to do next. He's already there at the end of the outcome. And he wants to walk you through it. 
That doesn't mean everything's going to be great. It doesn't mean that he's always going to remove your circumstances. Remember when, when he said, Peter, Satan's asked to sift you? And I told him, I said, pray for you. I mean, I bless you. Yeah, bless you. I mean, he didn't say I'm going to keep him from sifting you. He just said, I'll pray for you. And sometimes that's what God does. Ichabod is more than a name from the sleepy, what is it, the long hollow or something? That's a sleepy hollow, something like that. Ichabod Crane. And when the, when the uh, Ark of the Covenant was captured, Eli the priest was sitting, and he was obviously up in years, and when he heard the Ark had been captured, the Bible says he fell backwards, basically he fell backwards, hit his head, and died. And then his daughter-in-law, who was pregnant at the time, I'll just read it. Well, you can see it on the screen. She named the child Ichabod, saying, the glory has departed from Israel. That's what Ichabod means. Remember the word Kabod earlier? Ichabod means it's no glory. The glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God had been captured and because of her father-in-law and her husband who had also passed away. And she said, the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. Here's where we do not want to live. We do not want to live outside the glory of God. You know how we live outside the glory of God? We disregard God's weightiness and substance and we attempt to solve the problem ourselves. We invite God out. Or we're like Burt Reynolds in the movie The End. At the end of the movie, he's out and he's going to commit suicide. He swims out into the ocean and he's He's, uh, he's just giving it up. And so then he decides, no, nah, I think I want to live. And so he turns to swim back to shore and he says, God, if you'll get me to the shore. And he makes all these promises, all the money he's going to give and all the things he's going to do. And ever so often he'll pray again. But every time he prays, he drops something that he had promised before. And when he gets to the shore, he, never mind, God, I made it. Don't we do that? God's glory. Because of that, Moses, he's pastoring uh, this uh, dysfunctional church called the Israelites. And he says at some point, and maybe we'll cover some more of it next week, but he says at some point in uh, Exodus, he said, show me your glory. Show me the inner reality that makes God, makes you who you are. Show me the essence the substance of who you really are. In Exodus, the Lord said, you shall see the glory of the Lord. You shall see the glory of the Lord. Now, I said earlier um, that we're going to turn to Exodus 19 to start with, and we'll stay in that vicinity for a little bit. I'm not going to overwhelm you with uh, loads and loads of Scripture, but I want you to see what the glory of God looks like. I want you to understand the God that we serve. A few weeks ago, we did two messages on the fear of the Lord. And I could have read this scripture then, but I want you to see Exodus 19, verse 16. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. <laughs> Would you want to go? No, I wouldn't. And they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. 
Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. That's the time to leave. When the mountain starts trembling, that's the time to check out. But that's the God we serve. Only a God with the substance that we're talking about. Only that God can cause all of those things to happen. Now, if you're in 19, just flip over to chapter 33, just a few pages. Again, I'm trying to... I, I want you to see this. I don't want you just to hear me read it. I want you to see it. And it's what I was just talking about. Chapter 33, verse 17. And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. Boy, y'all are in trouble. I forgot to start my timer. You know what it means when the pastor starts the timer? Absolutely nothing. Okay. This very thing that you have spoken, I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. And then Moses said, Please show me your glory. Watch what God says. Listen, please show me your glory. Watch what God says to him. And I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you can't see my face and we won't read the rest. He puts him in the cleft of the rock. It's interesting that God answers his question. Show me your glory. Okay, I'll show you my goodness. So can we not completely and with an exa- in an exhaustive manner, can, but can we say that God just told him that his glory can be seen in his goodness and his mercy? It's God answering this. It's not somebody else. God himself. The glory of God. The goodness and mercy. Let me ask you this question. Who or what could carry more weight in your circumstance than a God who's full of goodness and mercy? Who can move your world better than a God of substance? And that God of substance manifesting in his goodness and his mercy. And so... God says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you over here in the cleft of the rock. You can't see my face. I'm going to turn you around. And uh, I'm going to put my hand over you as I pass by. And by the way, after this experience, Moses comes down the mountain and his hair looks like mine. It wasn't white when he went up. Turn, Turn or just look to chapter 34. Verse 5, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. And the Lord proclaimed the name of the Lord. How about that? The Lord passed by, passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but will by no means... Clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers. 
third and fourth generation. This is God given, in my opinion, a summation of his glory in his goodness and his mercy. He said, I'll be merciful. I'll be gracious, which really means just one who stoops down to be kind to another person. He said, I'll be slow to anger. I'm abounding in steadfast love. Hesed. I can't say that like a good Jew could, but anyway, the word hesed is the Hebrew counterpart to the word agape. And he said he's, he's abounding in that, in that virtue and faithfulness. And then he says, not only does, is he abounding in, in, in steadfast love, it says he keeps covenant to thousands of generations. We might break a covenant, but God won't. He says he is a God who forgives iniquity. And then he finishes up by saying, but by no means clearing the guilty. What kind of a God would God be if he winked his eye at iniquity? What kind of a God? He would be a God uh, who he wouldn't be God. That's the, that's the fact. He's not clearing the guilty because of his weighty substance. God cannot entertain sin. God cannot have sin in his presence. He cannot excuse sin. Now, he did something about it. It's in his son so that he could bear our sin on the cross. And at that moment when the sin of mankind, when Jesus not only bore our sins, but the Bible says that he became sin. It was at that moment that God had turned his face away from his son. He said, why have you forsaken me? Because of the weighty substance of God, it would not allow him to look upon that sin. And yet he bore our sin so that we wouldn't have to. So it's important that we understand the glory of God in the earth. The glory of God in the earth. Again, uh, you can turn if you want to, but Isaiah 6 is a, Fairly familiar passage uh, that is actually the first time in the in the book of Isaiah when Isaiah says something. There's a lot of uh, background to this, but it's it's the verse. It says, "In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim; each had six wings." With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And one called to the other. Here's what I want to focus in on. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. I want you to notice, and of course we could read on, but we won't. I want you to notice the whole earth, it depends on what your definition of is is. Okay, I didn't go over. The whole earth is full of his glory. We're not asking God to bring his glory into the earth. He's already done that. He's already here. The presence of God and the glory of God is here on the earth right now. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen. Truly as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. All the earth. 
the influence of a substantial God is evident everywhere in the earth. Many times we miss it. Many times we don't see it because we're not watching. But the glory of God has filled the earth and continues to fill the earth. I think that's why the psalmist could write that God is a very, a very present help in time of trouble. Why? How can he be a very present help? Because he's already here. His glory is already here. As a matter of fact, in the, in the literal translation of that verse, it really means to, that he is abundantly, or he gives us abundantly accessible help. He's abundantly accessible because the glory of God is already filling the earth. And all we need to do due to the work of Jesus is reach out. Now, the seraphim said, holy, 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 the whole earth is filled with his glory. Don't forget that. Now, Habakkuk The prophet prophesies this. For the earth will be filled. Wait a minute. Did he forget something? The earth will be filled with the knowledge. Everybody say knowledge. The knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. So the glory's here, but the knowledge is not. The glory is is evident, but the knowledge of God is, is not with everyone, but it will. Isaiah said it this way, the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The knowledge of the glory of God, saints, it rests with us. It's our, it's our job. It's our role as followers of Jesus Christ, as those who worship God. It's our role to communicate to those around us the knowledge of that glory. You can't communicate the glory because you're not God. But you can communicate the knowledge of that glory. That there is a God who made the earth. There is a God who created mankind and made them, made them male and female, as Kevin said. There is a God. You can communicate the knowledge of his glory. Remember what we read a little while ago? Merciful, gracious, slow to anger, etc., etc., Is it possible that we, by the work of the Holy Spirit, can communicate those virtues to people around us? It is It is not only possible, it's sort of required. It's sort of expected. There are attributes of God that we cannot do. We cannot even touch. Invisible, omnipresent, omniscient. I mean, omnipotent. We can't can't do any of those. Those are God's... Reserved for God. But the ones that are given us in Exodus 34, which, by the way, those that passage is repeated numerous times through the Old Testament, over and over. We, as God's people, are gifted and commissioned to communicate the glory of God, the knowledge of the glory of God in the earth now. Psalm 145 says, All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom. 
and tell of your power. To make known to the children of man your mighty deeds. Do you understand when we communicate to someone the mighty deeds that God has done in our life, we are communicating the weightiness and the substance of God that he would so move in that particular situation. And the glorious splendor of your kingdom, because your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. We can tell and speak of his kingdom. Speak of his kingdom. And in the text that we read, he says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Now, you're going to feel a little uncomfortable, but I want you to say this. I want you to say, my light has come. I say it like you mean it. See, he was talking to you by the proxy and by the work of the Holy Spirit. Your light has come. He says, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon, everybody say me. Me. Look at the next part. This is back to Isaiah 6 here. Behold, darkness shall cover the earth, thick darkness, but the Lord will arise upon you. Remember Jesus said, you are the light of the world? Now, I know he said he was the light of the world. He wasn't confused. But we're the light of the world because he's the light of the world. He said, the darkness is going to come, but people are going to come to you. The Lord will rise upon you and the glory, his glory, his glory will be seen upon you. The nations will come to your light. Nations will come to your light. We fit in. We fit into this message about the glory of God. The glory of God is not just some abstract. It's not just some ethereal conversation. But it's real. And it's real in the sense that we serve this weighty God. And so then we find ourselves in the position where we ascribe to the Lord. Psalm 29 says, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. You know, you hear people say, well, give him, give God glory. And you think to yourself, now why would I want to give God something he's already got? You're not giving him the glory. You're giving him, you're attributing glory to him. You're declaring, you're ascribing the glory that he already has to him. You're, you're proclaiming his glory. You're exalting him. Isaiah said this, God said this in Isaiah, I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. My glory I give to no other. We, we today, we have to, in the face of Oh, Lord, help us. In the face of a a, a compromising gospel, in the face of a diluting of the truth, in the face of adjusting God to our whims, in the face of adjusting the truth of the scriptures to what we think they should say or what we want them to say, 
In the face of that, we must see that God is not one of many. There are not many ways to God. There is only one way to God. And that's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He is not superior among inferior gods. Who is like unto thee, Moses sang in the Song of Moses. He's not even the best of all gods. He's the only God. And we can, we do not need to make place for Him beside other gods. And we do not see Him as the best. You've heard me say many times that if Jesus Christ is a very important part of your life, then you're missing something. As a matter of fact, He might as well be no part of your life if He's going to be a very important part of your life. Because Jesus Christ has to be all of your life. Jesus Christ has to be your life. If he's going to be anything. So who is this king of glory? I'm not going to have you turn, but there's this great uh, scene in Psalm 24, which starts off, by the way, that with the earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof. But there's this great scene in verse 7. Lift up your heads, O gates. By the way, gates represent authority. And be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. So you see this, this uh, congregation of people outside the gates singing and chanting. Open the gates so the king of glory can come in. Open up, O doors. It's a great scene that the psalmist paints for us here. Allow entry of this king of glory. And there verse 5. Well, who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates. And he repeats. The psalmist repeats. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? He's the Lord of hosts. He's the king of, say, glory. So they have this scene where they're, they're, they're calling out, let, let him in. Let's open the door. Who is this king of glory? Doorkeeper. He's, of course, the writing of this psalm is painting a picture. Somehow they knew the password. They opened the gates. And in comes the king of the glory we're talking about today. The king of the glory. It said he's the Lord of hosts. He's the Lord of hosts. He's also God among us, God in the flesh. He's the Son of Man. He is sent from heaven by the Father. He's our intercessor, advocate, good shepherd, chief shepherd. By the way, he's not just our good shepherd. He's the chief shepherd, the Bible says. He's the Word of God. He's the Lord of lords. He's the King of kings. He's the one who says, come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden. That's who the king of glory is. That's who the king of this glory that we're talking about is. The Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts in the scripture almost always points to him being the captain of the angelic armies. But he's also the captain of the armies of Israel. He's also the captain of the hosts of nations. In fact, he's captain of everything in heaven and on earth. 
He's not relegated to heaven because he's God, but he's Lord of all. He's not Lord of all. He's not Lord at all. Our King of glory. I pray we walk out of here today with a renewed sense. I don't think anybody under the sound of my voice has heard anything today that you didn't already know. But I pray that we have a renewed sense and a renewed vision and view of this God of great glory. Which Did Sean ever make it back in the room? Bring the band up. Let's sing a song. I don't care which one. That last one was good. I want us to finish today by worshiping the king of this, the king of glory. Aren't you glad our band is instant in season and out? They didn't know I was going to do that. The, who is this king of glory? He's the guy we worship. He's the God we worship. Walk out of here today with a fresh vision and a fresh view of this God of substance. God of weightiness. He carries a lot of weight, saints. In everything you face, he carries a lot of weight. Let's never, ever, ever let the devil or life circumstances beat us down and convince us there's no hope because we serve a God of substance. Now let's worship that God as we dismiss. Praise the King. He Praise the King, death's defeated, hallelujah, he's alive, hallelujah, oh, hallelujah, he's alive, there's a reason why the curse of sin is broken, there's a reason why the darkness runs from light. There's a reason why we stand here now forgiven. Jesus is alive. There's a reason why we are not overtaken. There's a reason why we sing on through the night. There's a reason why our hope remains eternal. Jesus is alive. Oh, praise the King. Praise the King. He is risen. Praise the King. He's alive. Praise the King. Destiny.
Jesus, we we say, who is this King of Glory? You're our King of Glory. We always welcome you within these gates, and I don't just mean this building, but within our hearts. Thank you today for the Word of God that shows us your glory. And we see a God of substance, and a God of weightiness, a God of influence. And because of that, We rest, no matter what our surroundings may look like. Help us to be like you that day that you were sleeping in the middle of the storm. That we would have that kind of rest, knowing with whom we walk. Thank you for this time today, and I pray that you would uh, do your work in our hearts. You would make each of us as substantial as you as we worship you. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Everyone said, God bless you, you're dismissed. Go out there and act like somebody.